I love that song. How could you listen to that song and not smile? I wonder if it'll just hang out right there. No, not very well. Um, right, we have to smile when we listen to that song. And, um, and in fact, that whole series of Toy Story was really about friendship and, um, and just warms our hearts when we hear those kind of songs or see those kind of shows. And, you know, and I think it's because deep down we all have that desire to have a friend like that, right? To have that kind of friend who we can count on through thick and thin. You know, I mean, I think that's just part of the human condition, that our desire, we have this just innate desire in our hearts to have that kind of friend. And if you were with us um, several weeks ago, um, we t- Pastor Richie talked about that in a little more, a little more specifically, we, um, through this uh, series that we're in on covenant. And he talked about uh, kind of a, this epic friendship between King David and his best friend, Jonathan. And if you weren't here for that message, I really encourage you to go online to livinggrace.net and listen to that message. Um, it was the second message of the series. And just to learn about how that the friendship between those two men, how it went beyond actually the lifetime of Jonathan, who was the first of the two to die, and actually that we're still talking about it today, thousands of years later. And so it's an amazing, amazing story that I really encourage you to read, read in Scripture and to listen to Pastor Richie's message if, if you haven't, or listen to it again. And... As, you know, as we're going through this series on covenant, um, what we're trying to do is get more and more practical each week. And this week, um, we're going to talk about friendship again, really true friendship, what it really means to be a friend. And looking at the lives of David and Jonathan, as Pastor Richie did with you all several weeks ago, um, I have to admit that one of the questions that I ask um, when I read a story in the Bible about people up there is, so what? So what? Here's, great, two men several thousand years ago were great friends and, you know, really loved each other. So what? How does that affect me today? here in Las Vegas in 2017, right? And, and I actually like, as I read scripture and study, I, I actually like to ask myself that question. So what? How does it actually affect me? How, what do I really need to learn from that? And is it just some story from, you know, three, 4,000 years ago that... It's a nice story, but does it actually mean something to me here today in the 21st century? So over the last several weeks, I was really pondering and praying about that question. So what about having this epic, covenantal friendship like David and Jonathan had? 
And I was, as I was praying about that and, you know, and asking God, okay, God, so what? How is it going to affect, how does that affect me? Something happened. Something happened to us all two weeks ago, tonight. And everything kind of stopped. And Jennifer and I, we actually were out of town over that weekend, and so we didn't know what had happened at first, and we started getting text messages really early in the morning from some of our family who live back east in Florida and stuff. And like, you know, are you okay? Every, you know, what's going on over there? Like, we had no idea what had happened. And so we start looking and, you know, something about a shooting. Like, okay, well, there was a shooting. You know, still didn't know where or what had really happened. And we look some more and like, Jennifer, it was in Las Vegas. still hard to talk about. We were in shock and just started texting. Yeah, we're okay. And, you know, we started just calling people and getting text messages. You know, are you okay? What's going on? Who was there? And um, we were supposed to come home that Monday anyway, but we were going to kind of come home much more leisurely. We're like, okay, we got to get home now. And I sent a message to Julie, our church administrator. I said, get in touch with all of our ministry leaders and all of our light group leaders, our small group leaders, and we need to account for people. See if any of our people were there or, you know, directly affected. And we found out that there were some kids who were there, kids of our our people who were there, who are here today too, thankfully. And started getting text messages. You know, again, I mean, because first thing was we had to account for everybody, right? I mean, I don't know how they could do that at a huge church like Canyon Ridge or something, 6,000 people, but we thought that was the first thing we have to do. We have to account for people. Was anybody there who was maybe hurt? Um, And then we decided, we said, I mean, just, okay, we got to just have a prayer meeting that night because that's the first thing we need to do. And thank you for those of you who were able to come that night. And we prayed, and but we were all in shock, like some of us maybe still are. I mean, I know it's been two weeks, but gosh, like I said, it's hard to even talk about. It's hard to think about what happened that night in our town. It, it changed our town, didn't it? It changed the way I see our town. Um, I mean, because I know this is maybe not realistic, but to me, Las Vegas is this safe town and it wasn't and what do you do when your world just changes like that that quickly right so my questions about so what about David and Jonathan changed it the question changed it changed to what do I do? How do we get through this? How do I get through this? How do we as a city get through what happened? How do we as a church get through this? And like I said, I know that, I mean, our city was absolutely in shock. In fact, I'm convinced that not a stitch of work got done in the whole valley on Monday, right? Even those 
people who went to work, the kids went to school. I can't imagine that any work got done, right? Because we were all in shock. And we started learning, you know, I mean, I have some friends who were there. Thankfully, they weren't hurt, but they had, they had friends who were. And as a community, as a city, we just got scared. I mean, I was scared because I didn't know what to do. And I think that part of what we do is we ask why, and we're trying to figure out, you know, you see all these um, things on the news about the timeline changing and missing witnesses and all this stuff, and we're, like, watching that. Why? Because we're trying to figure out why. And we didn't have to be there to be in shock and for our town to kind of collectively be going through PTSD. (laughs) You know, we, we were all just... And still in shock. In fact, like I said, I have some friends who were there. And thankfully they weren't hurt, but some of their friends were. And even those who weren't, you know, I mean, just the craziness of what happened. And Jennifer and I have a dear, dear friend who, although she wasn't there, she was at the scene of a mass shooting when she was six years old. And that brought back... Memories, I'm sure, that I can't imagine. And so we are all in this state of shock and PTSD, and we don't know what to do. And we're and asking, how are we going to get through this? And as I was praying, you know, because I had that so what question I had to answer about David and Jonathan, and I felt like God was saying, Keep looking. It's the same answer. The same answer to the so what question will answer how are we going to get through this. Wow. Okay. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I'm going to take you all kind of on the journey that I've been on in the last couple of weeks of starting off answering the so what question, right? How does the relationship between David and Jonathan, how does that impact me today and how that actually also answered the question for me and for us. How are we going to get through this? Because, you know, the, the sad truth is we live in a world where this is not the end of it. It's going to happen again. I mean, maybe not here in Las Vegas and not, maybe not to the extent, you know, but We live in a world where every time we turn on the TV, there's another hurricane that's decimating an island or Texas, um, Louisiana, Florida, or there's fires in California and people are losing their lives in their homes. How do we get through it? How? Now, we know that as Christians, we we know the ultimate answer is through Jesus Christ. But when you're in the thick of it, how are we going to get through this as a city, as a church, as a family? And I can't imagine, I mean, those first responders, I mean, oh my goodness, what they went through, what they did for those folks there, and as a testament to our city, their bravery, and not just the EMTs and the police officers and the firefighters, but all the folks in the hospital, the doctors and the nurses and the other caregivers in the hospitals and the counselors and all those folks. And, you know, 
I mean, yeah, they're trained, you know, especially like the EMTs and the police officers and the firefighters. They're trained to deal with, like, emergency situations. How many of them do you think were prepared for that Monday night? I mean, it was a war zone, literally. And most of them are not tra- were not trained in that. In fact, you may not know this, but the first studies on PTSD were done with EMTs. And, and the effects of shocking and horrible situations. And when, the, you know, two weeks ago when this happened, our whole town went into shock. So we have to figure out how are we going to get through this? So anyway, so I'm going to take you on that journey. And I want, um, so uh, God put several scriptures on my heart. And um, the first of which was Proverbs 18.24. And you'll see that a lot of these scriptures, like, let's take a look and see. Because one of the things I love about the Bible is that it's not only historical and historically accurate. But it and talks about, like, the life and the, the people of Israel from thousands of years ago, but it also is super practical for today. And it speaks to my heart and to your heart, to our hearts here in the 21st century in Las Vegas, Nevada. And this first scripture um, came to mind. It's Proverbs 18.24, and it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Another translation says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, that was written, like I said, thousands of years ago. But let's look at this scripture through 21st century Las Vegas eyes in the wake of what happened two weeks ago. There were thousands of people at that concert, praying, begging for a friend, for somebody to help him or her in this situation that they found themselves in. And we know, right, I mean, if you've been watching some of the news, we know that there were people there, right? I mean, not only the EMTs and the police officers going into the fray, right, going towards the bullets, but there were Regular folks, some of, who, some of whom lost their lives helping others. We know of at least, at least I'm aware of at least two people that that happened to. They were helping protect um, strangers, perfect strangers. And they lost their lives doing it. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Does that, I mean, given where we are today in Las Vegas in the middle of October of 2017, does this scripture go, oh boy, this is taking me on a path. This means something today to me. You know, one who has unreliable friends comes to ruin. When you're in the worst of times, 
Is that not true? When you need a friend, when you need somebody, when bullets are literally flying and you have nobody there with you, could you soon come to ruin or worse? But there's that encouragement, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We know that 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 part of the verse, I mean, I believe is foretelling Jesus, is talking about Jesus. That he is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. But is that it? Is that all that this is talking about? Or is it encouraging all of us as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus Christ, to be that friend? Hmm. Well, the next uh, verse that came to me was Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Again, let's look at this through Las Vegas 2017 eyes. October 15th, two weeks to the day since that shooting. A brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. There were some people there, many people there, who loved their neighbor, loved strangers at all times, at the worst of times, right? To call that a time of adversity two weeks ago, what happened two weeks ago, seems to minimize it, right? I mean, this is huge, right? Again, is this giving us a clue as to what, how does God want us to respond to these situations, to these times of adversity, to these worst of times? I think if you're following me, you can see that this is, there's a pattern here. That this, Yes, do these, again, foretell of Jesus? Absolutely. But what is it calling us to do as a church? The next one, if, if it's not challenging, wasn't challenging enough for me, this was the next verse. And John 15, 13, this is Jesus talking. Jesus speaking says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we know that Jesus was speaking prophetically, speaking of himself, right? Because he was going to and did give his life for, one, for his friends. In fact, he did more than that, didn't he? He gave his life for his enemies. So he didn't even give his life for just his friends or strangers. None of us are strangers to Jesus, but to his enemies. Because scripture says in Romans that we were enemies of God. And yet, Jesus died for us. Wow, is that a challenge? And again, as we're watching the news, we've been watching the news over the last couple of weeks, we saw people or we heard of people who actually did it. Right? We know that those police officers and firefighters um, 
ran in and the EMTs ran in. But there were people who were already there, right, who also did. And, and again, you know, the thing is, I don't know if those folks who literally gave their lives for someone else were Christian or not. I mean, I don't know. But does that change it any? I mean, in fact, if anything, as Christians, we should know better. We should be able to do this better than anybody. We have the the perfect, greatest example of it in Jesus Christ in our lives. We're called to be this kind of friend. So we we should be able to write the book on this. We should be the best at this as Christians, shouldn't we? And yet, I have to confess, I mean, in fact, it's not even a hard confession to say that I don't meet this criteria often. But we are called to it. And so as I was going on this journey over the last couple of weeks, I was like, wow, that is one high bar that's getting set, isn't it? Um, And in fact... um, uh, scripture doesn't doesn't let us off the hook. The next because the next scripture that I saw kind of came to mind was in First John. So the apostle John was writing, and he wrote, "Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us." Dear friends, since God so loves us. We also ought to love one another. And how are we to love one another? To give our, be willing to give our lives for them? Wow. This is not easy. But you know, one of the cool, cool things about Scripture is that, again, it speaks right to the heart. It doesn't mince words. It gives us real direction, real practical direction on how to do this. You know, that I, uh, last service I said, you know, you could go into any bookstore, but I don't know, there are not, any, not many bookstores anymore, right? So you can go online and you can find all kinds of self-help books on help me to be a better person, help me to, I don't know, lose weight, help me to, um, I don't know, do all kinds of things. And the Bible is so much more than that. Because it speaks to the human condition. And so, are you seeing these scriptures? Again, if we're looking at them through the eyes of a Las Vegan in the middle of October of 2017, two weeks after that horrible tragedy, can we see what God is calling us to? Hmm. Not easy. But you know what? We were saying, so, so what? How, how do we do this? Right? I mean, that was a big question. And so this next scripture, which some of you will be familiar with, that maybe you haven't seen in this context before, is Philippians 2. Um, I talked to a lot of friends. They, said they have different life verses. I think this should be the life verse for every Christian, uh, you know, because um, uh, it's quite the challenge. But it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So how are we going to be this kind of friend? How are we going to be truly good friends? 
have that covenantal relationship with our friends, our neighbors, our city. Here's how. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves. Told you wasn't making it any easier. Value others above yourselves. Value others above myself. Boy, I'm not very good at that <laughs> a lot of the time. And it goes, not looking to your own interests, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. Put others' interests first. How many of you guys got that down? Yeah, not so much. Uh, me either. This is hard, you know, and um, that, I mean, because I have to admit that there are a lot of times that I do things out of self-interest. I put my interests first. I value myself over others. And we're called to do something completely different. In fact, the complete opposite of that. And we can see that that happened so, so often two weeks ago that so many people put the interests, the lives, the care of others ahead of their own, their own safety, in some cases their own lives. And it doesn't even stop there, right? It says, in our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Uh-oh. Now it's going to get tough, right? <laughs> I mean, if we didn't think it was already a difficult call, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ himself? I mean, do you all ever read that and just stop and go, uh-oh? Because <laughs> like, what's coming next is not going to be easy. What is next? It says, who, Jesus, right? Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Have you all ever used your position or, you know, something you had to your own advantage? I sure have. I have. I, you know, and I'm not bragging. It's like, that's why we have stuff, right? To use it to our own advantage? And yet Paul is saying, no, be like Jesus. I mean, maybe we have position or letters behind our name or um, money or, you know, stuff. And we tend to use those things. I tend to use those things to my advantage. And Jesus Christ, who had everything who had all the riches, all the authority of heaven and earth, did not use that to his advantage. Wow. In fact, right, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. 
He gave up all the authority, all the riches, all everything in heaven and came down to earth in human form, right? Being made in human likeness, right? Taking on the very nature of a servant. Not for his own advantage, but for ours. And it says, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There's that word again. Humble. One word. Great um, challenge. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And you know why Paul um, kind of emphasized at the very end where it says, even death on a cross. You know why he emphasized that, right? Because in that day, and actually to this day, I believe, crucifixion was and is, I believe, the most humiliating way to die, to be killed. They strip you naked. They nail you to a cross and watch you suffer, gasping for breath for days. Sometimes it could take several days. In fact, they wanted it to linger. They didn't want you to die too quickly so that they could just watch you slow, watch the life slowly come out of you. Because um, for those of you who, who don't know, that when they nail somebody to a cross, they put a little, kind of a little teeny platform right below their feet. So that, and then what that platform was for is so that they could pick themselves up a little bit, like with their toe, on their toes. And so that, because when you're hanging on that cross, you're, you can't breathe. And so you, if you picked up your feet, your Lungs would expand a little bit, and you could take a breath. Okay. And so they did that so that they would die more slowly. And they could actually watch them gasping for breath for days until they couldn't anymore, and they died. And in fact, sometimes what happened was is that I guess the Roman soldiers or whatever just kind of got bored watching this person die over a couple of days. And so they would break their legs so that they couldn't gasp for breath and then they would suffocate immediately. All naked in the the whole town to watch. That's the kind of humiliation that Jesus Christ endured for us. And that we're called and we're called to live in the glory of that, as ironic as that might sound. Now, was Paul the Apostle Paul who wrote this, was he just like, yeah, you know, here's a good suggestion. You know, let's, you know, I know I've raised the bar pretty high and, you know, it's okay. We don't have to really live like that. Well, let me take you back just a couple of verses to the beginning of this little discourse. And uh, 
Paul writes, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Read this. To me, I read this, and it looks like Paul is almost begging us to live the life as Jesus did. He is imploring us. He is pleading with us. Right? That's what these, these, uh, this kind of long sentence is basically doing. He's like, please, if anything, if you can pull anything off, if you can give your life to anything, live your life like Jesus did. Humbly putting the interests of others before you, doing nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition. Do it. I mean, he was imploring us, he was practically begging us to live our lives as those last scriptures um, explained. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great to have a friend like that who put his or her own interests ahead of ours, who did nothing out of for themselves, didn't use things to their own advantage, but did them for us? Isn't that the desire of our hearts? Look back at that the first scripture I brought up. A man who has friend must himself be friendly. And so what is that saying? That we need to be good friends to others. If we want good friend, if we want a friend like that, now yes, we absolutely have a friend in Jesus, and all we have to do is, is accept, believe and accept him. But you want a friend like that here? Be a friend like that here. That's what the scripture is saying. Be a friend. And there's a and you'll have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So what it, like I said, I started this by saying I had two questions that I was trying to answer. Hopefully, the so what about David and Jonathan is kind of getting answered a little bit, right? How does Scripture relate to today? Right? How does that story of David and Jonathan it encourages us to be that kind of friend? What about that other question? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this? This event of two weeks ago, and how, how are we going to get through it? And you know what the answer is? The answer that these scriptures gave us? The answer is together. We're going to get through this together. Right? We're going to get through this together aren't we? Are we going to get through this together? Is that the only way we can possibly get through this is together? Go on, tell your neighbor, we're going to get through this together. Go on, tell him, tell your neighbor right now. Tell your neighbor, we're going to get through this together. Look at the other, look at the other side. Tell your neighbor, your other neighbor, we're going to get through this together, right? As friends, as we are going to get through this together. Right? We're Vegas strong, right? We're going to get through this together. 
And that is the only way we can, with the, the help of God, being as Jesus, best we can as Jesus, and getting through it together. That's the answer. How are we going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? Church, how are we going to get through this? Yes. How is our city going to get through this? Together. That's the answer. It's the only answer of how we're going to get through this. It's the only answer of how we've gotten through the last couple of weeks. And the only way we're going to get through this for the coming months is together. We're going to get through this together. Are you committed? Are you willing to get through this together? With, and not just the church family. I mean, our city needs us. Our city can't get, will not get through this unless we get through it together. Right? And there are so many things we can continue to do. Absolutely, we need to keep on praying for our city, for those who are directly affected, their families. And like I said, I mean, for all of our friends, I mean, because we've all been affected by this. We have to keep praying. We have to let people know that we're in it together, right? And so there, like I said, this whole thing is about being really practical. And so um, we're going to give you a couple of easy suggestions on what you can do let our community know that we're in it together, right? I mean, uh, continue to give blood, you know, uh, those who can give blood, blood drives are going to continue, you know, thanking our first responders. By the way, I know of two people, one who I know personally, another was a friend of a friend who died on October 1st. Neither of them were at the concert, Okay. They died in separate incidents, and one was a homicide, and the other one I'm not sure about. Okay, So even taking away, just for a second, what happened down on the south end of the Strip, our first responders are responding every day to those kind of situations. They were responding elsewhere in our valley because there were others who died that day, and like I said, the person I know, it, it's being investigated as a homicide, and so it, and the EMTs and the police officers and, you know, the medics and all those, they're doing this every day. We need to thank and support our first responders all the time. And we can continue to do that. But I'm going to give you an even more practical example. I mean, we've got to do this together. How do we do that together? I mean, if you're not in a small group, please get into one. I mean, that was one of the things that went through my mind. It's like, okay, I know how to get in touch with all the people in the small groups, right? I can contact the small group leaders and tell them, contact all your people, right? The ministry leaders, people who are involved in different ministries. Contact your people. Let's find out. We need to know. We need to count up. We need to account for everybody. But if you're here and you just hang out here on Sunday and you're not part of a small group, how are we going to be able to account for you? But again, we can... So join a small group. Be part of a group. So you can do life together, not just through the good times, And not just through the bad times. 
The other thing is our small group, um, we had an idea that as Isha had announced a little while ago that, you know, once a month we go to the uh, Las Vegas Rescue Mission and we give out clothes to the homeless, right, to members of our community, right, that we, who we help, who need help, right, who we can tell them we're in this together. We give out clothing. And we thought, you know what, wouldn't it be, uh, we'll take any kind of clothes at any time, you know, uh, we uh, collect it all up. But we thought, what if we uh, had one particular type of clothing, you know, that we all kind of gave every month, and we, it was different every month, right? And so we thought, yeah, you know, we, we should do that. Maybe we could just have a big drive for a particular thing, type of clothing for this month, and then we'll, you know, bring it to the rescue mission the following month, right? That particular. So we decided it's October. Okay, it's October. So we're collecting, I mean, any kind of clothes, but we're socks especially. Now, new, clean socks, please. Um, <laughs> not, um, and next Sunday, there'll be a bin, and we'll be collecting socks that we'll be giving out again in November. And in November, we'll be going to collecting something, maybe scarves or gloves, because it's going to be starting to get really cold. And so the following month, we'll be able to give them out. Okay, right? So it's October. You guys in on, you like October? Isn't so, Now, I don't know what we're going to call November, you know, like Scarvember. Uh, uh, doesn't quite work. But October's cool. We like that. We, you know, we said, it's a great place to start, right? So October works. So next week and throughout this month, you know, one pair of socks or a bag of socks, you know, like I said, new or extremely gently used, you know, clean socks, you know, um, that we can give to our friends in this valley who need help and who need to know that they're not alone, that we're in it together, and we're going to get through it together, right? Um, the worship team is going to come on up, and they're going to do one last song, and after that, Pastor Richie's going to have another opportunity for you to help some folks who maybe you don't even know and to let them know also that we're in it together. Yep. I didn't give them quite enough lead time. I'm taking my Woody with me because Jared might, he's a young guy. <laughs>